0: continuing on our sermon series through Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, and we've arrived at chapter 5, but for those who weren't here last week, you need to understand the setting. The end of chapter 4 in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, he introduces this whole idea about Jesus' second coming. It was a question that was looming in the early church. Jesus himself talked about it. And then, of course, the early church had questions about it. What does that mean? What does that look like? That Jesus is going to return again. And many people thought it was going to be immediately or in the not too distant future. And they talk about some having fallen asleep, which means they died and Jesus hadn't come back. And so there were questions that were looming about this. Is it going to happen? When's it going to be be happening? And What's going to happen about those who died and those who are alive now? So there's all these questions floating around about the second coming. The word actually that Paul uses is parousia. And another word that we use today, by the way, is advent. It's the same idea. That when you're coming to advent, advent isn't just about preparing for Christmas. It's actually also about the second coming. And many of the readings revolve around that idea and theme. And we in the church say, every Sunday in the creed, that Jesus is going to come again. So it's something we say we believe. But I wonder for some, what does that mean? What does that look like? Jesus referred to that day a number of times in the scripture. And he was talking about the day that he would return. Which is also, by the way, the day of judgment. And a lot of people don't think of Jesus having talked about judgment. Did you hear the reading for today that Jesus said? The end of that reading might surprise you that those words actually came out of Jesus' mouth. But Jesus talked about judgment. He talked about that there are those who are going to be saved, experience salvation, eternal life and eternal bliss, and those who are going to be condemned and judged. And Jesus of course, began his ministry with repent and he wanted to get the word out and he wanted to save people from judgment. That's why he went to the cross. And so, this whole notion and idea about Jesus coming back should be something that we're aware of. Not that you live with an unhealthy preoccupation, not that you're anxious about it, but that you're aware that Jesus is going to come back. And in the very least, that if he doesn't come back by the time you die, you're going to die. So in either case, you're going to come to that place where the next thing you're going to be aware of is the judgment seat of Jesus present before you. And the question is, what does that mean for you? And not only that, do you take it seriously? Because a lot of Christians will say, it really doesn't matter, everybody's okay. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what the scripture says. Everybody's not okay. And secondly, if you yourself do believe what you say you believe in the creed, the creed means, the whole idea of credo or creedal means, I believe this, so when you say it, do you really believe it? Not only is Jesus coming again, but there's judgment. So what does that mean for the people around you? Particularly the people that you love. Are you more concerned about not hurting their feelings or about their eternal position before God and how they're going to spend eternity? Because if Jesus is coming back and if there's going to be judgment, then that means something for our lives. And for those around us, particularly those that we love. Paul talks about in First Thessalonians 5, he begins with this whole notion of times and seasons. Times and seasons. And think about in your own life what the, those words might mean. seasons, of course, it depends on the season you're in in your life. Or the seasons that are going on around us. If you're aware of what's going on around us right now, we don't know what in the world the weather is thinking in terms of what season it is. But there are times and there are seasons and there are parts of the country that the seasons are more obvious. Isn't isn't that true? I mean, we don't drive around here saying, wow, look at the leaves changing. It's wonderful. We don't do that. But in other parts of the country, they do that because they're conscious of the change of seasons. We're aware of that. We're aware of times. And when Paul is writing this, he's really, in many ways, talking about times and seasons in terms of chronos, first of all. That's one of the Greek words for time, which we refer to as chronological time. The time just marches on, that everybody is aging, everybody's getting older. But this whole idea of time having a certain different meaning, too, kairos. The word kairos in Greek means special time. It's what the name of Curcio is for the prison ministry of Curcio. Special time. Time that has meaning to it. And Paul is saying, much like Jesus would say, there are times that have special meaning to them. And Jesus would refer to the time is coming when there will be wars and rumors of wars, that there's going to be climatological changes and meteorological changes that you're going to start saying, is this. Jesus' return, is this the second coming? And I think sometimes the whole reason that Jesus pointed that out is so you're always ready. You're always conscious. That this brings to mind that yes, Jesus is going to come back. And yes, there is going to be a judgment. And so on the one hand, we shouldn't always be trying to guess Okay, Jesus is coming back now. Look at everything lining up. It has to be now. And people have done that down through the centuries. I said this last week. But rather, it makes us aware there is life and death. It makes us aware there is judgment. That there is a falling asleep, if you will, a dying. But there is a resurrection and Jesus is going to come back. That's this whole point of what Jesus is talking about and Paul is talking about. Now, with that in mind, we come to this particular passage in the Gospel where, where where Jesus says, No one knows but the Father. So this whole notion of so always be ready, and then taking it to the Gospel reading, Paul talking about that the second coming is going to be like a thief in the night. A thief in the night. You know, when Meredith and I were first married in 1979, we were told early in our marriage, you know, you need to buy as soon as you can. Because rent is throwing away money. Now, some of the places we've lived in when we actually went to sell I wondered. But it's just the way it worked out in the big scheme of things, you know? So our... As we finished our first year of marriage and we were contemplating where we were going to live and our jobs and everything, we moved into a condominium that we purchased our second year of marriage. And it was in this place called Swickley Manor, which is in uh, this little town called Swickley, a suburb of Pittsburgh, a very nice town. And the condo complex backed up on the property of the Swickley Inn, which is a little hotel in Swickley. And we got a first floor condominium and we were thrilled with our little condo. Anyway, we were out one evening, and uh, we came home, and it was dark out, and so we turned the lights on to the condo, and I walk into the bedroom and turn the light on, and there's a leg in our window. The leg was coming in, and when I turned the light on, the leg was going out. A thief in the night. See, I understand that. And Scripture says if you had been awake, if you had been ready, if you knew when the thief was coming, I would have been sitting there. I would have been ready. I don't have a gun, so maybe with a baseball bat. I don't know. But I would have been aware. See, that's what it's talking about. We don't know when something like that is going to happen. Now we changed how we worked with our house. Like we put these things in the window. You could only open up a a little bit so it was more secure. Because we didn't think about that. And we took precautions. And think about how many areas and things in your life that you are security conscious about. Your home, your car, your internet, your internet passwords, your bank account. I mean, we can go on and on with all the temporal things that you're concerned about security. And what if something happens and you ask the question and you deal with it? What Jesus and Paul are talking about in these passages is you don't know when Jesus is going to be coming back. You don't know when you're going to die because those are uncertainties for most of us. And therefore, if the second coming can happen like a thief in the night, are you always ready? That's the point. Are you always ready? You know, I love fireworks. I don't know how many of you love fireworks. I'm like a little kid with fireworks. And when you go to watch the fireworks, you know, the first thing you're aware of when it gets dark is you hear this boom, right? You hear a boom. And what does that tell you when you hear the boom? The firework has been launched, right? And if you're like me, you try to watch where it's going up. You know, sometimes you see these little trails, these little trickles of sparks coming down, and then sometimes it disappears, and you're wondering where exactly it's going to show up in the sky, and then all of a sudden, there's this, you know, opening up and it's beautiful and all this light shining and everybody goes, ooh, ah. (laughs) Except for the babies that start crying, right? Because there's another boom. Well, the boom is the cross and the resurrection. The boom is, this has happened. And we don't know exactly when the firework is going to open. We know it's going to open. We know the light is going to fill the sky. We can anticipate and even guess when it's going to happen, but you don't know. And in fact, the way fireworks worked, no one knows. But the reality is it's going to open, unless it's a dud. It's going to open. Jesus is not a dud, trust me. The boom happened. The cross and the resurrection happened. The plan for salvation has happened. And the question is, are you ready for when the firework opens? You know, because the reality is there's a momentary startle. And then you recognize, and then you say, Ha, ah, this is wonderful. And that's what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. That there might be, for the believer, a momentary startle, but then you're going to recognize the light has come into the world. And I'm ready for this light to come into the world. And I'm excited about this light coming into the world. But see, some are going to be like the babies. They have no idea what's going on. And there's going to be tears. Because they're not ready. They're not aware. That's a great way to think about what is going to happen at that time. The second coming is going to happen at some point. And we see it, if you will, in the Old Testament it was talked about. Look at the prophets. This day of the Lord is not a new idea. Look at Amos. Look at Isaiah. Look at... Malachi. But it's also in the New Testament. It's called the day of the Lord, the day the Son of Man returns, the day of Christ. It has many different names. But it's going to happen. The firework is going to go off. And what Paul gets into as this passage unfolds, and you need to read the passage and understand the background to the passage. If you look at verse 3, when they say there is peace and security, then suddenly, sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains comes upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. See, in the Old Testament, twice in the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 6 and Jeremiah chapter 8, and in Ezekiel 13, you will read these lines that the false prophets were saying to the people of Israel, peace, peace, everything's fine, everybody's going to be okay. Hey, we're Israel, you know? We're the chosen people. Nothing wrong, nothing bad can happen to us because God's on our side. And there's a lot of people today who believe, hey, I believe in God. I'm okay, doesn't matter. We're all getting there anyway. Paul's saying, they think there's peace and security because they fooled themselves. They have false beliefs about who God is. They have false beliefs about lifestyles that are okay to live. They have false beliefs about what, what God wants for their lives. They really don't understand what it means to be committed to him. To have Jesus as your Savior and Lord and what that means for your life. And so they have this false sense of peace and security as if nothing really matters. And when Jesus comes, what Paul is saying, is it's going to be a startling moment for them. You know, think about startling moments in your life. For example, he draws the analogy with Noah and the ark, the people that knew Noah and his family and the people that didn't. Is it when someone walks in the room on you, someone that you know, someone that you love, and you're not aware that they're there, what's your reaction when all of a sudden you catch them? You startle, right? Some of you. Some of you startle because you weren't aware that they were there. But then once you see the person, and you know them, and you trust them, you relax, you calm down, you're at peace. But what if you didn't know the person? What if the person was a threat to you? You wouldn't relax. It's like a woman having a baby. You know, there's the pain of the childbirth. And then after the baby arrives, it's like, it's all good. It's wonderful. Look at the gift that I have. So both Paul and Jesus draw these analogies to try to help us understand what it is that's going to happen. That there is this second coming. And the question is, do you have peace and security in your life? Because there are all kinds of false sense of peace out there. There's all kinds of false sense of security out there. You know, if you read any books on marriage, any books on children, what you will discover when you read them is that marriages thrive when there's security. They thrive. When there is an incredible mutual trust and nurturing that goes on between husband and wife. Women especially thrive when there's security in the home. When they know they can trust their husband. And you know how that happens? When both individuals in the couple love the Lord and love the Lord first and their lives are dedicated to living with His love in their lives. Boy, the trust that can exist in a marriage. The security, the kind of love that can blossom in that home. And then you bring children into that home. Children that thrive in a secure environment. And they blossom because of that secure environment. Just read psychologists. They will tell you children need security. See, that's what Jesus offers not a false sense of security, not peace that isn't really peace, because that's what the world offers. And so many people are deluding themselves, they're in denial about their lives. And God wants us to know this peace and security. How do you know this? Because you know Jesus is your Savior and Lord. You're not wondering, you know. You know that He's given you the Holy Spirit to fill you and transform you. You know the Spirit's love and peace, the fruit of the Spirit. Did you know how you're supposed to live? Because you know the Word of God and it's informed your life and you're seeking to walk with Him. You're not saying, gee, I hope I'm good enough, because you know you're not. You know you need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. See, God wants us to know peace and security. That whenever the second coming happens, we're not in travail. We're not in fear. Because our confidence is found in the Savior. That whenever you close your eyes in this life, that you know the first person you're going to see when you open those eyes is Jesus Christ. And you have that kind of confidence and security. Thirdly, and Paul says Therefore, therefore, with all of this stuff, we're to be children of light. Not children of the darkness, but children of light. And let me read to you what Paul writes to the Ephesians, a very similar passage. Ephesians chapter 5. For once you were darkness. doesn't say you were in darkness. You were darkness. But now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of the light, for the fruit... Of the light. See, we're supposed to be these disciples who bear fruit. The fruit of the light is all that is good and right and true. The Lord wants us to be good. Not because we're being good ourselves or good in our own minds, but we're seeking to be good, a reflection of the Lord's goodness. That we're seeking to be righteous. And God cares about truth. And it's always amazing to me. I had a conversation with someone this past week. That people believe that you can have two alleged truths that can't possibly both be true. And yet, someone said, well, you know, you can live your way and I can live my way and they're both true. No, they're not. They're not both true. They can't be both true. And people in our culture, in our society, love to say it doesn't matter. It does matter. Jesus cared about truth. God cares about truth. And Paul's writing of this truth. That if you're going to be a child of the light... That you walk with truth. You live by truth. And he wants us to be these children of the light. And he uses two words to reflect that. Number one, sober. Sober. You know, I realized when I was ordained that I am, I am on call 24-7. And I've also learned that and experienced that over the years. I'm on call 24-7. Therefore, I don't have too much to drink. Ever. I actually made that decision right around the time I turned 20. Because what happens when I have too much to drink is I do things that I wouldn't otherwise do. I mean, I'm an idiot behind the wheels as as it is now. Back when I was a teenager... I was worse when I was drinking. If you can imagine, if you've seen me drive. You know, and the other thing about being sober is, if you're not sober, you won't do some things that you might otherwise do. If you're in an accident and you're not sober, you're not capable of helping out in the situation. See, the reality is this whole notion and idea of sober is meant to be pervasive for our lives. That we're always aware of God's call on our lives. That we're always aware of what he wants us to avoid because it's destructive for us potentially and destructive for the people around us. He wants us to be aware so that we can be sensitive to what he might call us into to do, to live, to be. But you've got to be, take the term in broad spectrum, sober to do that. Aware of what he wants to do with you, in you, through you, always. Awake. Now there's a bit of a play on words here because fallen asleep here means to have died. But awake means, once again, always aware. Another word that's really, really helpful that Jesus uses on occasion is alert. Are you always alert? Are you watchful? Watchful for what God wants to do with you and through you. You know, once again, I learned early on in my life what this whole idea and notion of being watchful is. And one of the ways I came in touch with that is because my name, Gregory, means watchful one. The Lord knew. He wanted me to always be watchful, always be ready, attentive to Him. But see, this is not just about, oh, well, that's you, Greg, or it's about, well, you're a minister. No, my kids used to throw that one at me. It's because my life is given over to the Lord. It's because I say I love Him. And that's for all of us. That we're all to be these sober people. That we're all to be these people who are alert, awake. Let me put it to you another way. That you're dressed for the occasion. How's that? You're dressed for the... You always have the robe of righteousness on. I did an outdoor wedding yesterday evening out at Honeyhorn. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. But it was a little cool. And when the sun went down and it was a little damp outside, it got really chilly out there. Now, what was fascinating to me was seeing these girls in spaghetti-strap dresses that were really short. And I actually engaged one of them in a conversation because I knew her. And I said, you know, aren't you cold? And she said, I am freezing. (laughs) And I said, why are you wearing that then? Meredith, I mean, Meredith was smart. She said, I'm going to wear pants. I'm going to dress a little warmer because it's not that warm outside. And I thought, really, pants at a wedding? Well, I guess so. And there were lots of women who, you know, and it actually turned out it was mainly the older ones that were experienced. You know, that knew that, yeah, I really don't want to freeze all night. But the young girls, this one girl said to me, she said, I just had it altered and it's so wonderful. I was just bound and determined to wear it. Okay, that's your priority. Mine's warmth, myself. But isn't that interesting? We have different priorities in our lives, so we dress with those different priorities in mind. Right? God wants you to dress with the robe of righteousness. He wants you to put on Christ. That's what he wants. He wants you to put on the full armor of God. I dress in layers when I go out in weather like this because I want to always be ready. I hate being cold. Always be ready. And you know how you're always ready when you dress with this armor that Paul writes again in Ephesians. He alludes to it in Thessalonians. We'll get back to that in a second. But he specifically outlines it in Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God So that you might be able to withstand on that evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth. See, God cares about truth. Jesus is the truth. The Spirit will guide you in all truth. And put on the breastplate of righteousness. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. There's that peace. Proclaim the gospel because there's judgment and we want those around us, particularly those we love, to know the Lord. With all of these, take the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Faith is always in the forefront, guarding our lives. And finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, because that is what brings us that confidence. Knowing Jesus Christ, knowing what it means to walk as a child of the light, for He is the light. He says He's the light, and He calls us to walk as children of light, and Paul reminds us. Are you equipped? Are you dressed for the occasion? If you want to put more simply, look at your reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet and the hope of salvation. See, in other words, get your heart around it, get your mind around it, and live this life which is lived in the love of Jesus Christ. And be a child of the light. That way you will understand what it means to have security. Whether Jesus comes back, the second coming, while we're still alive, or whether we die. We're always ready. We're always alert. We live with His peace that passes understanding. Security doesn't come from security systems in your home. It's temporal. From passwords on your internet, that's temporal. It comes from Jesus Christ an eternal life with Him. That is what lasts. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, in our culture today, there are many voices that say, Peace, peace, where there is no peace. There's so many offerings of living with security. And they're all temporal. Our homes, our cars, our finances, they're all temporal. Lord, we come here today seeking the peace that passes understanding the security that lasts into eternal life. We seek you. Lord, I pray this day that everyone in this place would know you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. That we would seek to walk as children of light. And that we would be ready for that day. For that day will come. Lord, help us to know, not to guess, not to wonder, but to know. That you died on the cross for our salvation. You rose again to show us the power you have over sin and death. And you will come again to take those who belong to you to heaven. And we want to be there. We want our loved ones to be there. and we trust you. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.